If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, if you'd raise your hand, our ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Raise your hand, keep it up real high. They'll get one to you. And let's all turn to John 14. John 14. Don't be too attached to what's going on right now, to what you're involved in, what you're doing, what you have, where you are. (laughs) Don't be too attached because God has a plan. But it requires faith. And you have to turn loose of the familiar to go into the new. You have to turn loose of the known to go into the unknown. And if you're too fearful, you won't do it. You'll say, well, man, this is the best I ever had. This is the best I've ever known. And you'll cling to it. And if you do, you're stuck. You cannot advance in the plan of God. You've limited yourself and you've limited the Holy One of Israel to move and do for you. So don't get too attached. Heard a fellow say this one time. He said, uh, in our hearts, we ought to all be like Abraham, living in a tent. Doesn't make any difference if you got a 20-room mansion. In your heart, you ought to be living in a tent. What does that mean? Tent can be struck overnight. Be ready. And if the Lord tells you, okay, all right, turn loose of that. Okay, let that go. Okay, turn that over. You know what he's got for you? (laughs) Something better. I know when we uh, left Tulsa, we had it good there. The Lord had blessed us, and in 20-some years, we started from scratch. We had developed and built up, and we went from the you know, roughest little apartment in the worst part of town to a better apartment and a better apartment and a rent house and bought a little house, known a little house. And I mean, this last go around, God gave us a house, brother. I mean, swimming pool, tennis court, six car garage and paid a fraction of what it was worth. I mean, God did a miracle. I mean, if you'd have looked at us and thought, well, ain't no way they could afford that house. And God put us in it. Put us in it. Gave it to us. Some things had happened and the Lord began to deal with us about turning loose of everything and coming over here. And we thought, huh? What? I mean, it took us 20 some years to get to this place. And we're just going to go where nobody knows us and, and basically kind of start over and and we did. We left her. Phyllis had just got through remodeling her kitchen. She believed God for years. And finally, somebody walked up one day and handed her a great big envelope of cash. After years of her believing God and basically told her, you know, to take care of that. And she went and she put all the new stainless appliances and boy, she fit. just had got it done. Now we're going to leave. <laughs> and things like that. But in your heart, you need to... Live in a tent, and if the Lord deals with you to turn loose and do something else, what does that mean? What does that mean? Help me out. He's got something better and bigger for you. But if you're too fearful, you'll cling to what you know, and you'll think, ooh, ooh, I I can't turn loose of this. Well, you're stuck. You'll never get the rest of the plan of God. And I had, you know, the Lord had gotten us into aviation and we'd got our own aircraft. We had our own hangar, had it all paid for. It was like seven minutes from my house. And man, we're set up, you know, we go and come like we want to and we we're doing. And I'm thinking I found out about the airport over here and it was like this long and had a cliff on both ends. And and I couldn't have my own place and the aircraft we had couldn't even operate out of there and and I didn't know anybody, and I looked at the numbers, and the population was, whoa, about that big. And, and, and I thought, huh. <laughs> of course, he hadn't even told me yet that I was supposed to pastor. <laughs> that would have. But, but one day, 
I was shaving, and uh, I'm thinking about all this. I'm thinking, man, do we really? Are we really going to do this? God, you're serious about this? <laughs> we're going to just walk away from everything we built here for 20 years. We're just going to leave everything, and we're going to go over there. We don't know anybody, and what? And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard of a voice, but inside me, He said, "Keith, yes, sir. Do you believe I can do better for you than this?" I thought, yes, I do. I got a hold of my ear. I said, quit it. (laughs) Quit it. Yes, I do. And Lord, forgive me. That's the end of that. Here we go. Here we go. And I'm telling you, there's not an area of our life that is not head and shoulders above where it was when we left there and came here. I'm telling God, every area, every area. Glory to God. I landed coming in this past week, landed at the new airport for the first time. Glory to God. I'm telling you, we got a real airport. We got a real airport. It's better than the one where we had that other hangar at over. Oh, thank God. Thank God. And I'm telling you, we're just getting started. The best is in front of us. The best is yet to come. But we can't cling to the past and hold on to our little blanket and where we are and what we have in fear. We've got to be willing to sow it, walk away from it, leave it behind, and do what he tells us to do. Confident that if he tells you to do it, there's something better. There's something bigger. There's something better. And I didn't intend to say any of that, but it's true. John 14, John 14, verse 21, Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Do you love him? You know, this really is the heart of everything. It's not just believing in God. It's love in Jesus. The devils believe there's a God. They believe he's powerful and all-knowing. That won't save you. And I'm very specific about Jesus. It's not just believing in God. And not just believing in Jesus. It's loving Jesus. Yeah, we believe in him, but we love him. Now, This is not as abstract a concept and as unknowable a thing as people might think. People say, well, that's in people's heart. You never really know if somebody loves the Lord. Oh, yeah, it's quite obvious who loves the Lord and who doesn't. We're reading the verse. Can you tell who loves the Lord and who doesn't? How can you tell? The ones that do what he says love him. The ones who don't do what he says don't love him. Period. People would like to be in a different way, but you can holler all day and night, I love the Lord, oh, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. You can sing the most beautiful song, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. But if you don't do what he says, it's just not true. Because when it came time to do what he said or do what you wanted to do, you proved you love you more. Or if you did what they wanted you to do, you proved you love them more. You pick something or somebody over him that means you love them or it or you more than you do him. If you love him the most, you'd do what he said. His words. Oh, and there's a promise that goes with this. For those that will do what he says, there's a promise. What did he say? If you have my commandments and you keep them, that's the one that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him. What does that mean? Now he already loves you. Even if you're acting ugly. He still loves you. Well what does this mean though? He's going to manifest. His love to you. The father's going to manifest. Or show. His love to you. That's why he says. He that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. This love is going to be shown in that he's going to manifest himself to those that obey. Look at the Amplified on this. 
He said, I will love him and will show myself, reveal and manifest myself to him. I'll let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Now, whether people acknowledge it or not, this is the preeminent cry of every being on the planet. To know the reality of the Creator. I'm not talking about theory and religion. I'm talking about reality. The experience of reality of God. He is real. I said He's real. And he that comes to God must believe that He is. That He's real, that He exists, that He's God. And you got to believe something else. You got to believe something about his nature. He's not just all powerful and all knowing and everywhere present. He's also a good God. And if you seek him, you'll find him. If you ask, he'll give. Right? If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a good God. So you got to believe both of those. You must believe both of those. And if you love him enough to, by faith, respect his words and keep them and remember them and put them into practice, then the Lord says he is going to show himself to you. And this is a personal thing. It's a special revelation of God to you that many on the planet will never get. Read the next verse and you'll see what I'm talking about. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, different Judas. He said to the Lord, Lord, how are you going to do this? How is it that you're going to manifest or show yourself to us, but you're not going to show yourself to the world? It's a good question. And the Lord said basically the same thing. If a man loves me. How many know sometimes you need to tell people exactly the same thing you just told them? Because it was the answer then. It's still the answer now. If a man loved me. He'll keep my words. And my father will love him. And we'll come to him. We'll make our abode with him. He that loves me not. Keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine. But the father's which has sent me. Isaiah. I believe it's 45. Says God's a God who hides himself. And here we see God's a God who reveals himself. Are both of those true? It is true. To some people, God is hiding himself. I know some folks that sounds strange to them, but I'm quoting scripture. He hides himself. And all you got to do is read this passage here to see some people he was going to reveal himself to and others. Who's he going to reveal himself to? Those that love him and do what he says, keep his words. What about people that don't love him? Don't even believe he exists. Must less do what he said. Is he going to reveal himself to them? No, he's not. And a lot of these people are intellectual and unbeliever and skeptics and atheists and what have you. And they say, well, prove to me that God exists. Well, who are you to tell God how to do it? Well, they don't believe in God. That's why they talk the way they do. Prove to me that he exists and I'll believe in him. Well, sorry, but that's never going to work. Never. Because he said, believe in him, and he'll show himself to you. You're saying, show yourself to me, and I'll believe in you. Problem is, you're not God. And you can't tell him how to do it. So you're just going to go through your whole life a fool. That's a strong word. I'm quoting scripture. The Bible said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And yet God has given him his every heartbeat. How can you look up in the night sky? How can you look at the vastness of the Pacific Ocean and splendor of the mountain ranges and and it all just happened? Some said it was just a big bang and it just happened. Well, it probably was a big bang when God spoke. Somehow, but to say there's no intelligent creation 
It just happened. It's like sitting off a bunch of C4 in a salvage yard. And when the dust clears, there's a new Lexus sitting there. Ain't never going to happen. You can set off C4 from now on and it's never going to wind up with a new Lexus sitting there. (laughs) In destruction, things are destroyed, not created. And I know people like to argue that point, but sorry. We're going to believe God anyhow. And if you don't believe, you'll find out soon enough. How many know that atheism only lasts so long? (laughs) And that there are absolutely no atheists in hell. None. As soon as you slip out of your life. How many understand Darwin has a new revelation? He sees things very differently than he did when he's writing his papers. Sure, things evolve. Things develop. But that doesn't mean there's no God. Anyhow, if you want God to be real to you, you can't be proud and demand that he prove himself to you. You have to believe in him first. And you have to receive him. And you have to reverence his words. And when he tells you to do something, you have to be willing to do it. Not having an understanding about how or why, just do it. Do what he said by faith. And he said to people like that, I will love them. I will come to them, I will make my abode, I will live with them, I will make myself real to them, I will show myself to them. And we're on this verse. I said this Faith Life Church family, we are on this verse. Are we not on this verse? We're on this verse, that we're going to do this verse, and that he's going to do what he told us he would do. That it's begun, we've seen a little of it, but we're going to see a lot of it. Of him showing himself to us. Of him revealing himself. Of him making himself real to us. We believe in him now. But how many think he could be so much more real to us. And he can show us so much more. In John 5. Turn back there again. John 5. We've been studying the words of Jesus. Coming through the book of John. And we saw the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible said an angel came down ever so often, and he troubled the water. He would stir up the water some way or another. And the first one that jumped in would be completely healed. Wouldn't matter what was wrong with him, how incurable it was thought to be, if it was deformity from birth, if it was AIDS, if it was the last stage of cancer, made no difference at all. How many understand what you've got makes no difference at all as to whether you can be healed? Again, it's some of that foolish, irrational thinking. It's some, some, well, you know, this is bad. This is last day. What does that got to do with anything? What disease it is? If you're being healed by the supernatural power of God, what what does it matter what it is? Because it's a miracle either way. And nothing's hard for him. We see a supernatural miracle, a spirit being an angel. And then we see Jesus walk over there to one man, there are five porches, many people, you know, at least hundreds, maybe thousands, a lot of people. And of course, this is a supernatural event that people knew about and talked about, and that's how the word spread. How many know if nothing ever happened, there wouldn't be all these people hanging out here around this (laughs) pool? Something happened. And they didn't know when it was going to happen or that it would just come on that day. But it was supernatural. Say supernatural. It was spiritual. Was Jesus aware of a whole realm of spirits? Did he walk in an awareness of God the Father who is spirit, who's the Father of spirits? Was the Father real to Jesus? Did he commune with him day and night? Were angels real to Jesus? And evil spirits real to him. And human spirits. The Holy Spirit. This is something that we need major mind renewal about. Christians all over the world have taken Jesus as their moral example. That he is an example of how we're to live right. And live good. 
But Jesus is also our example in a spiritual life. We're supposed to have a spiritual life just like Jesus had, as well as a moral good life. And yet so most people have taken the spiritual, supernatural part of Jesus' life and put it in a category unattainable to us. They said, oh, no, no, all that healing and that deliverance and those visions and that speaking to trees and walking on water. No, no, that's just for Jesus. He did that because he's the son of God. Well, that's not true. Simply not true. Go to John 14. Don't take my word for it. Take the master's word for it. John 14. And verse 9. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the father. He said, the words I speak, verse 10, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Do we believe this verse? Do you believe this verse? Read it out loud. Say, he that believes on me, the works I do, shall he do also. Did Jesus know what he was talking about? Absolutely. Who are those that believe on him? See, some have said, well, you know, the first apostles in the church... They had that power. They had supernatural things happen. And they had visions. And and they saw angels. And and they had miracles. And people healed and raised from the dead. Because God gave them that power. To help get the church started. And then people say. Well but all that's passed away. And nobody has that nowadays. And then some people go further. And they say. Well yeah there's a few people. You know. Holy holy apostles or prophets. That, you know, can quote half the Bible and spend half their day praying every day. And they're super spiritual and they'll have some of these things happen. But read the verse again. Verse 12. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, my first apostles. Super spiritual prophets. A few. Not many. But a very special few will do the works that I did. Who's this for? He that believes on me. Do you believe on him? If you believe on him, I want you to go on record. Now, do you believe on him? Put your hand up. You believe on him? Does this apply to you? Did Jesus say this about you? What did he say? He didn't just say they will live a good moral life like I did. What did he say? They will do the works. What kind of works did he do? Supernatural. Spiritual. Works. Didn't he? Now go back to John 5 please. John 5. When that man was healed. A lot of people got stirred up about it. In an unhappy way. Didn't they? Not everybody wants to know about the supernatural. It bothers them. It scares them. They don't like thinking about angels. They don't like thinking about demons. They don't like thinking. It's weird. It's no. But Jesus lived a life in which the Father was real to him. Angels were real to him. Demons are real to him. Human spirits. Are we to do the same kind of works? Are we to have some of the same kind of things happening in our life that happen in the life? Will they be spiritual and supernatural? Yes. And we're not to be afraid. I said we're not to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of God's holy angels. They're here to help us. They're sent 
to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. Isn't it what the Bible said? They're mighty in power, but they're not over us. And we're not to fear them. They're sent to help us. He's given his angels charge concerning us to keep us, to bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. They encamp round about those that fear the Lord to protect them and deliver them. People say, well, yeah, I'm not really scared of angels. It's those demons I don't like. It's because you've seen too many goofy movies. Ain't got a clue what a demon is. Sure, the devil wants to paint him some demon as some kind of a Godzilla. Oh, man. Some, you know, Hollywood. Nothing to do with reality. No. I know uh, Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, and the Lord allowed him to see in the spirit a number of times and see demon spirits. And nearly every time he said what he saw looked like a little monkey-like creature. A little, kind of looked human in the face, but then kind of monkey-like, little imp-like. And every time he saw them and commanded them to leave, he said they shook. And sometimes they fall on the floor and just shake. And say, I don't want to leave. I don't want to. But I know if you tell me to, I have to. He said, yeah, you have to. Leave. And they'd run out. How many know that's a big difference from Hollywood? Hollywood's got these monsters. These giant, awful, terrible monsters that just come in and just do terrible things to you and ain't nothing you can do about it. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's the devil trying to scare people. You and I have authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out. We got nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of. But if you and I are going to operate in the life that we're supposed to, we're going to have to become aware of spiritual things, of angels and demons. Most importantly, the Holy Spirit. We must become aware of these things. And if Jesus, I shouldn't say if, as he reveals himself to us, what kind of revelation is it going to be? As he shows himself to us, isn't it going to be a spiritual showing, a supernatural revealing? For he is spirit. He is supernatural. Super means above and beyond the natural. And certainly God is. Well, in this fifth chapter, notice again. Verse 17, when they found fault and got mad at him, Jesus said, My father works hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said God was his father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him. Does that sound familiar? He loves him and shows him. Doesn't that sound like our text? If you love me and you keep my words, I'll love you and I will show you. Isn't this what's happening with Jesus? He shows him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Show him. So Jesus tells us the work that just happened of the man that was 38 years in that physical infirm condition. That Jesus came and spoke to him and the man instantly was healed. Jesus tells us exactly how it happened. That he saw it and he heard it. How are we going to do the works that Jesus did? We're going to do it exactly the way he did it. By seeing and hearing. I know for the last, I guess it was last 10 years, that Phyllis and I were able to travel with the Hagans and be with them just numerous times. Brother Hagin to start saying, the spirit of seeing and knowing, the spirit of seeing and knowing is going to be increased. That's come back to me in recent times. The spirit of seeing and knowing. We're going to see and we're going to hear and we're going to know. And we're talking about a spiritual seeing, not a physical seeing. A spiritual hearing, not a physical hearing. A spiritual knowing. Do you believe it? 
And is, this is the thing. If you can hear it, you can see it. God's words produces faith. His words also produce vision. It's tied together. When God says something to you, you can see it. And when you see it, you can believe it. And when you see it and believe it, you can do it. His word gives vision. His word gives faith. His word gives power. Enablement. Somebody say faith and vision. Say it again. Faith and vision. Say it again. Faith and vision. This may be a better service than you know. Good things are happening. Major things are going on. Going on in realms you can't see. My, 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 my. I believe God's got us on a fast track. I believe he, he has got us going towards some things that you and I are just never going to be the same afterwards. And that's good. That's good. Ooh. Say it again, faith and vision. Say it again, faith and vision. Seeing and hearing. Knowing and doing. Thank you, Lord. Now we, so-called faith people, word people, we've been strong on the faith part. And that's good, that's fine. But we've been weak on the vision part. And God's correcting that in us right now. I believe he's talking to others about these things, not just us here in Branson and our e-members around the world, but numerous groups all over the place. I believe the same kind of thing is coming up because there's no other way that the mighty uh, works will ever be done except this way it's not just faith it's faith and vision and the faith is connected to the vision we know how does faith come help me out yeah but what happens when you hear the word you see you ever said it have you ever heard something in the word and say i see that huh yeah you ever said that oh just again and again and again why you're going to hear us talk about this again and again. Don't over-spectacularize the seeing. Don't over-spectacularize the hearing. You already have seen things that you have heard. You're already familiar with this seeing and this hearing. We just have to pay more attention to it. We have to give it more place in our lives. Have you ever gotten a revelation? Not something you figured out in your head. You might have read it 95 times, but you heard it preached that time, or you read it that time, and you thought, glory to God. I see that. Then you're seeing something. You didn't fall into a trance. You're not having an open vision, and yet you're seeing something. That seeing is what we're talking about. Don't over-spectacularize it. There are different levels of seeing, just like there are different levels of revelation. A statement that Brother Hagin used to make concerning this, he said, I believe he said he got this from the Lord, he quoted this from the Lord. The highest kind of revelation is very similar to the lowest kind of vision. Let me say that again. The highest type of our kind of revelation is very similar to the lowest type of vision. You're seeing. But there's greater degrees of seeing. You can see as a revelation. Then there's a seeing that's a trance. And then there's a seeing that's just like you're sitting right here looking at me. But you're not looking in the natural. You're seeing in the spirit. And some ministries will have more than that of others. And yet all of us should have some seeing and hearing. Say it out loud. Don't over-spectacularize the seeing. Now, he said that he did what he saw. Let's go over this again. Five porches of sick folk. Jesus walks over to one, just one. This one. And asked him a question. 
and said something to him. Do you believe Jesus just asked that question off the top of his head? He just picked that guy at random. No way. Why did he do that? Why with him? Why did he ask that question? Why did he say that thing to that man? Why? He's already told us why he did it. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. What I hear him say, that's what I say. And at times he said he saw what he heard as well. Now, we know from what he said in John 14, he's seeing himself do it. He said, the Father in me, he does the works. So he's doing it in him. And so he saw himself do it. Why didn't he just say he saw himself do it? Because it wasn't him that did it. And you need to say it right and keep it straight. It was him, the Father in you. He did it. He was doing it through you. He was using you, but he did it. There's some confusion among our groups. I hear people talking about ministering healing and exercising authority. And people say, we have the power to heal. You know, we have the authority, we have the power, we can go and we can do this and we can heal. Well, actually, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know what you can do? Nothing. (laughs) If Jesus could do nothing of himself... What can you do? You can't heal anybody any more than you can save anybody. You can't straighten things out. You can't fix things any more than he could. But the Father in you, the greater one in you. But here's where people have missed it. They thought, well, it's just by faith. I just decide. I just go say and do. Jesus didn't just say I went and did it by faith. What did he say? We know he did it by faith. But the faith was connected with the seeing and the hearing. Faith comes not by just what you decide to do. It comes by hearing. And when you hear, you see. Go to Acts 3, please. Acts 3. We are entirely too comfortable with living just a natural life. Entirely too Accustomed to living pretty much like unsaved people. I mean, we act like there are no angels, there's no demons. It's just this. And that's all we want to know about. We've got to change. I said, we've got to change. We've got to operate in the reality that there's a whole realm of spirit and that the supernatural is real. That we're spirit beings. Our God, our Father, our Creator is a spirit. His holy angels are spirits. We're to be aware. In Acts 3, Peter and John went up together into the temple in the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. Now, hour of prayer, you understand that meant same hour every day? So they had regular prayer. Daily at the same hour. Certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily. Everybody say daily. Daily Daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. To ask alms. He saw Peter and John. He asked for an alms, a handout. Peter fastened his eyes on him and said, look at us. And he gave heed to them expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. He lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Is this a miracle? Is this supernatural? This is not some medical treatment. This is not some miracle drug. (laughs) He's born like this. There's deformity. There's something wrong in his limbs and his ankles and his feet. And in a moment of time, if the bones weren't there, they were put there. Man's been like this all his life, and he didn't even have to learn how to walk. He jumped up. How many of you know if you've never used your feet and your legs? They're going to be too weak to hold you up. 
Supernatural. This is supernatural. This is miraculous. Isn't it? Can we have things like this? Yes. But what has happened is people have felt like, well, if I had enough faith, I'd just go do this. If that's true, why has nobody gotten enough faith to clean out our hospitals yet? In this generation, or the previous one, or the one before that, or the one before that. And why didn't Jesus clear out all five porches of sick folk? Some have said, well, sometimes it's his will and sometimes it's not. No, that's not right either. No, it's always his will. People haven't understood how these things operate. Peter and John have been up to this place time after time after day after day. They've laid that man there daily, every day. They've walked right by this man. Why didn't they do this yesterday? Why didn't they do this last week? Why didn't they do this two months ago? They hadn't seen it. They hadn't heard it. Are you with me? He said, such as I have. What does that mean? He got something. Oh, he got something. It pays to keep coming and praying. It pays to keep coming and being in services where the Spirit's moving. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep believing. And faith is a huge key to this. Our faith as a corporate family must rise. I'm asking you, stir yourself up. When you come to service, believe for these kind of things. Expect for, don't tell God what to do. Just believe for supernatural things to happen. Just expect. Be in faith. No matter who he uses or how it works, just be in faith. What if he doesn't want to do anything? He always wants to do something. He always does. There's never been a time when the Lord didn't want to do anything. He always wants to. And it'll always be spiritual and supernatural. And he's preparing us for it even now. Why hadn't they done it before? Because they didn't have it before. Go to the ninth chapter. What did they need before they could do something like this? They needed to see. They needed to hear. How did Jesus do what he did? I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear him say. They needed to see. They needed to hear. In Acts, the uh, ninth chapter, the Bible said a woman by the name of Tabitha was full of good works, verse 36, 936 of Acts. And it came to pass she got sick and she died. They washed her. They laid her up in an upper chamber. Lydda was near to Joppa, and the disciples heard Peter was there, and they sent to him that he would come. Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber, and all the widows stood around him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made when she was with them. And Peter put them all forth, put them all out, and kneeled down and prayed, and turned him to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. How I many a lot of people would freak out, wouldn't they? I mean, somebody's <laughs> cold and dead and stiff for some length of time, and they open their eyes and speak. Say it out loud, supernatural. 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 Are we ready for this? Are we ready for this? Supernatural, spiritual, and real, and God. And... uh He gave her his hand and lifted her up. Glory to God. Of course, it's just him and her at the room at this point. And he called to her friends and they walked in there. He presented her alive. Hey! Reckon they had church that night. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Said out loud, supernatural. Supernatural. Spiritual. Miracle. Miracle. Now, Peter's one of these first apostles that so many like to talk about that had the power. Why didn't he just walk in and do this? Why didn't he just do it in front of the crowd? Why did he need to go in there and get everybody out and get all the distractions out and get quiet and start to pray in? Why did he need to do that? 
Because he can't do a thing by himself. He can't raise this woman up any more than you can or I can. What's he doing? He wants to know what the Lord would say to him. He wants to know would the Lord show him anything. Oh, are y'all with me? He wants to know. And so he's praying and he's pressing in. And the Lord must have showed him something. Must have said something to him because he got up from that place and he spoke to her. You know why he said that? Because he saw himself say it. He heard himself say it. And yet it wasn't him. It was the Lord in him. They did it. Oh, can you see this? Can you see this? Glory to God. Go to Acts 16. The spirit of seeing and knowing is increasing. And it's not just going to be with a prophet here, an apostle there, and a pastor there. All of us know him. From the least to the greatest. Isn't that the fulfillment of scripture? Isn't that what the prophet said? They'll not say in that day, every man know the Lord. They'll all know me. From the least to the greatest. And isn't the prophecy in those days, I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Even the young men, even the young headmaidens are going to be seeing visions and having dreams. Seeing, 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 seeing and hearing and knowing. This is supposed to be our regular life. And yet it's not all that regular, is it? It's amazing. But it's supposed to be normal to us. Get ready. Get ready. 16. Acts 16. Verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Which brought our masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying. These men are servants of the most high God. Which showed us the way of salvation. I want you to notice something because this will do us well in days to come. Did you know historically, both with Jesus and with Paul and with others, the established religious group said it was of the devil. The fortune tellers said it was God. (laughs) Why? Because they have tapped into the spiritual. Not God, but spiritual things were real to them. And the religious leaders, supposed to be the most spiritual people in the bunch, called the Holy Ghost working the devil. They did it with Jesus, didn't they? They said, oh, he's Beelzebub, prince of the devils. People did it with Paul. They did it with others. It'll be the same today. I said, it's the same today. God start moving, supernatural things start happening, there'll be many that'll condemn it, that'll say, oh, that's, ooh, that's spiritism, that's the devil. I mean, half the country calls speaking in tongues the devil. Right now. We can't let that move us. I said, we can't let that move us. We can't let that scare us or bother us or hold us back or hold you know if you get some persecution for the supernatural how many understand when somebody's raised from the dead who cares who cares somebody got delivered somebody had bones put back in their feet that they were never born with who cares what these confused folk talk about at their house why should we bother ourselves you know brother Lester Summerall said something one time that just stuck with me. He was talking about some stuff along that line. And he started, you know, sometimes he'd talk real strong. He'd bellow almost. He said, I found out a long time ago. Other people's heads. There's no place for me to look for my happiness. (laughs) Other people's heads. There's no place for me to look for my happiness. People's thoughts change for no good reason. So don't pay so much attention to that. This damsel is saying the truth. But who wants the devil testifying for you? And verse 18. Are you there? Verse 18. This she did what? What? Many days. And Paul being grieved. Why was he grieved? This has been going on many days. Not a day, not two, not three, many. How many is many days? 
I reckon this is at least a month or, or two or, I don't know, many days. Many. Why didn't he take care of this the first day? Isn't he an apostle? Does he have faith? Does he know about his authority in Jesus' name? God used him to teach us about it. Why didn't he take care of that the first day? Because he couldn't. See, this is where people have been messing up. We've been strong on principles. We've been weak on perception. People say, well, I know a lot of people that just said, yeah, but did it really work? People have been imagining a lot of stuff. They've said and done a lot of stuff, but just because they said it and did it doesn't mean anything happened spiritually. Did it work? What did it accomplish? People like to imagine that it accomplished, but Jesus said, the words I speak to you, their spirit, their life, the spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. I don't care how loud you scream in the name of Jesus and how hard you wave your arms and how much you spit. It means nothing. Nothing. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by His Spirit. Don't you know if this is grieving Paul, if it's bothering Paul, he would have took care of it the first day if he could have? Why didn't he do it? So this is what we've got to learn. Yes, knowing about faith is wonderful. We need to know more. Knowing about our authority in Jesus' name, wonderful. We need to know more. But you can't separate this from being led by the Spirit every day. You can't live carnal and just be a complete fleshy individual and learn faith principles and go one, two, three, bingo. You actually have to pray and know God. Oh, come on. You have to walk with the Lord and have to hear from Him and see from Him. What a novel idea. How many know the servant's not above his master? If Jesus had to pray and wait on God and walk close with Him and say, I can't do anything of myself, I have to see it, I have to hear it, then are we just going to lay around and watch 12 hours of TV and not half know God or Scripture and just jump up and say in the name of Jesus and amazing things happen? The servant's not above his master. We're going to do it exactly the way he did it. After many days, something happened. And he turned around there and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. He must have saw it. He must have heard it. Something came up in him, right? And he was able to do it. Going over towards the end of the book here. Acts 27 and 20. Paul told them that he perceived that that voyage they were about to take would be dangerous. and That they'd lose their cargo and their life. But they didn't listen to him. And they went on. And not long after they got in underway, they got into a typhoon, a hurricane. And verse 20 of Acts 27 says, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, said out loud many days, days. long abstinence, abstinence. Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me. You should have listened to me. And not left Crete, and you wouldn't have gained this harm and loss. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but we are going to lose a ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Everybody say angel. Angel. Did Paul have the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. And yet the Lord sent an angel to him. Angels are messengers. Sent ones from God to do certain errands and to tell certain messages. Do you believe in angels? You believe they're real? Absolutely. And he told him, he said, fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. You can't die out here. You can't drown out here. You got a preaching engagement. (laughs) You got a meeting. 
You got a meeting over in Rome. You got to go. You got to be there. That's an anchor to Paul's soul. When he heard that word, he thought, I can't die out here. (laughs) How many know when the Lord tells you something like that, there ain't enough hurricanes. There ain't enough whales. There ain't enough sinking ships. What is one of the big ministries of the Holy Spirit? He'll take of mine and do what? Show. 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 It unto you, and he will show you things to come. And when you hear it, and when you see it, faith comes. And when you see it and hear it, you can say it and do it, and power will come. You just decide to do something off the top of your head, in the flesh, it's not going to be any power. Oh, hallelujah. Why didn't Paul stop this storm the first day? Why? Isn't he a man of God? Isn't he an apostle? Doesn't he have the name of Jesus? Does he have faith? Why didn't he stop that storm the first day? Why? He couldn't. Don't you think he would have? You've already puked your guts out five hours ago. (laughs) You're holding on for dear life. The Bible said many days, many days, all hope that you could be saved was gone. You know why he didn't do it? He couldn't. He's a man like you. Oh, but he kept praying. And he kept seeking God. And he kept believing God. Oh, Lord, show us what to do. Show me. And man, he not only showed him, he sent an angel. Paul's praying there in the middle of that old stinky ship, rocking and reeling and he looked up and there's this glorious being. And seeing a being like that could have a tendency to scare you. I don't care who you are. And why would the angel say fear not? <laughs> why would that be the first thing come out of my mouth? Because Paul looked up and went. <gasps> and the angel said, whoa, buddy, whoa, whoa. It's, it's okay. It's all right. Don't be afraid. It's me. I'm from God. The Lord sent me. And he said, uh, Nobody's going to die out here. You have got to go preach at your appointment. And God's given you. Everybody's riding with you. And so he got up and boldly spoke that word. And the wind was still blowing. And the waves were still kicking. How many know we must be led by the Spirit? We can't just say things and try to do principles off the top of our head. We've got to draw near to him. We've got to learn to wait. We've got to cut off all of the carnal junk that is keeping us so dull. And quit just trying to depend on cold letter of the word principles to get us by. Are you with me now? We've got to learn to press in and to wait on God and to seek him and to pay attention. And to let him show us things and let him say things to us. And then based on that is when you get bold. I said based on that is when you get bold and when you say the thing and when you do the thing. And we'll have supernatural. Supernatural, miraculous. Things happen just like what happened in the life of Jesus. The kind of works he did. We'll have the same kind of things. Not just preachers. Everybody that believes on him. Do you believe it? Stand on your feet everybody. Praise you, Master. Praise you, Master. Praise you, Master. Say it out loud, Father God. Forgive us for being so carnal, so fleshly, so dull. We desire to be aware of you, to see all we should see. In the Spirit. spirit. To hear. hear. All we should hear. hear. In the Spirit. In In Jesus' name. name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, 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 praise you, Lord. 
We wait on you. We look to you. Oh, give us open eyes. Give us open ears. Give us open hearts. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.